You are listening to Did You Hear? 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 The Johnson County Library Podcast. This is your Library Insider. Hey, Jamal, what's the weekly word? Solicit. Ask for or try to obtain something from someone. Hey, welcome to another edition of Did You Hear? I'm Dave Carson with your Library Insider. This is the Johnson County Library Podcast. Listen, I know that the last time uh, that you listened to our episode, I ended the show by saying our next episode was going to be our presentation on podcasting at the Kansas Library Association. But sometimes a topic and an interview opportunity pops up that is just simply too good to pass up, and that's exactly what's happened this week. So um, a lot of you know that we have a lot of librarians serving the community in so many different ways. We have librarians focusing on readers' advisory or education or seniors, the arts, business, history, civic engagement, e-materials, and more. They have such unique expertise, and uh, they definitely all have something to say. We try to feature as many of those different voices on the podcast. Um, They also have a lot of connection to some really interesting and important voices in our community. So today, our focus is on incarcerated services. Now, these are services that the library offers to justice-involved patrons. Um, These librarians focus on so many different aspects of incarcerated services. Uh, There's a Read to Me program. Uh, There is a Library Explore Tinker Connect program. There's court-assisted reading encouragement, uh, therapeutic community book groups, um, so, so many different things. Today, though, the topic of this episode, cash bail. Librarians Kate and Flannery talk to a representative of the KC Bail Fund. It's a compelling discussion. Let's listen. Hi, this is, uh, my name is Flannery Cashel. And this is Kate McNair. We work on a team of library staff to provide library services for patrons in our corrections and court systems. You may not know it, but Johnson County Library has been providing materials and programming to our adult residential center, juvenile detention center, and courtrooms for over 15 years as we work to enrich the lives of all Johnson County residents. And as part of our attempts to better understand the lives of those we serve, we have been reading up on the cash bail system and the role that cash bail plays in justice. A while ago, we reached out to members of Casey Bail Fund, a volunteer-run organization that provides cash bail relief to those in pre-trial detention, as well as community resources and service resources to help them in court. Today, we're talking to them about cash bail in Kansas and Missouri. Welcome, Lauren. Um, Lauren, can you introduce yourself and tell us what inspired you to start Casey Bail Fund? Yeah. So my name is Lauren Worley, and I am one of the co-founders of the Kansas City Community Bail Fund. And we started this bail fund back in May of 2019. Uh, Both Chloe and I, Chloe is the other founder of the bail fund, had a client, we're social workers, and we had a client who was incarcerated. Um, She was a domestic violence survivor and um, she had PTSD and there was, you know, kind of an altercation and she was um, jailed for it. 
uh, awaiting trial for in Johnson County, actually. And it was nearly three months before she was able to get out. And she only got to talk to her lawyer a couple of times. She couldn't really make phone calls uh, because she didn't have the, the finances to do so. And um, after kind of hearing her side of the story and it was self-defense, um, I tried, you know, to get um, family members to help pay the bail. But since it was set um, so high, it was $5,000 that we couldn't come up with that and we couldn't go through a bail bondsman either because she did not have anyone who was eligible to be a co-signer. So since we looked you know, around for any resources we could find, we saw that there you know, wasn't really a resource for bail in Kansas City. So we mm-hmm. kind of just started a, a GoFundMe, kind of a little snippet about her story, you know, being a survivor of domestic violence and, um, and kind of what led her there and what was kind of at stake if she weren't to get out. Uh, so we started a GoFundMe and did some court advoca- advocacy on her behalf. And um, that's just kind of how it started. We saw an unmet need and tried to fill it. That's great. Many of our listeners to our podcast, Lauren, may not interact with the cash bail system. Can you briefly explain what money bail is? Yes. So money bail is basically, um, it was designed to be sort of an incentive to show up to court. So they set bail based on usually the severity of the crime and, um, you know, if someone is a flight risk or anything like that, and it's used as an incentive to come back to court for their, um, their next court appearances rather than just be released and, and not come back to settle the case. And um, this unfortunately leaves a lot of people stuck in jail without um, a, the ability to self-advocate or you know, access any resources and maybe lose certain things. So um, like job and even custody of children we've seen. So it's kind of used as an incentive and there's been a lot of research on it. And um, I believe it's a couple of bail funds in New York released some statistics that nearly 90% of all people they bailed out returned to court, kind of proving that that cash bail is not what is going to get people back to court. And you sort of touched on, my next question was going to be, what are the fundamental problems you see with cash bail? And you touched on that a little, but maybe you can, um, uh, you know, I think one thing that was new to me was realizing that people who were in pretrial detention were essentially innocent until proven guilty. Mm -hmm. And so we're talking about a population that still hasn't been uh, convicted yet. And maybe you can expand on what's at stake when they are detained, um, when they're detained, and that cash bail is the only thing that can um, make the difference between them going to work, uh, all of that. Yeah. Um, So kind of, yeah, going back, um, what's at stake and is is that kind of what you're asking? What's that? Yeah, well, I mean, 
like how long how long is someone what are the averages of people in pretrial detention who can't afford money bail? Oh, uh the average length of time? Yeah. Like, it could be I mean there's cases and stories of people in incarcerated for years due mm-hmm. to the inability to afford bail. We actually see that a lot right now. Cases are being continued due to COVID. Um so they're just getting pushed out and pushed out and pushed out, leaving people incarcerated, um, even though they are, as you have mentioned, um, innocent until proven guilty. So it is their 14th Amendment right to be yeah. able to maintain their innocence and keep them from losing their job. Um, because also, if, I mean, if they were falsely accused of a crime and they could lose their job like their entire career yeah just for that arrest and kind of being assumed to be guilty um so actually if it's set too high you kind of lose that constitutional right and they're keeping you incarcerated just due to the fact that you can't afford um that bail or i mean it can be as little as five hundred dollars yeah um how much yeah, so. is a typical bail and how is that um, quantity decided? So it varies greatly, um, especially I see this a lot uh, by location. So Johnson County, I see a lot higher bails. Uh, for example, um, we bailed out a protester in Johnson County and their bond was set at $2,500. Whereas the protesters arrested in Kansas City, Missouri this past June ranged from $500 to $1,000. Um, our first um, case, the um, reason we started this, her bond was initially set at $25,000. Then she got it reduced to $5,000. Um, a lot of times they will set it higher. And then, you know, they have to have another hearing, a bond hearing to get it reduced. But it always depends on the severity of the crime and um, unfortunately geographic location as well. And how much does it cost the county to keep people, do you know uh, roughly like per day, what it costs to house someone before deten- before uh, trial? I do, I have a national statistic actually on that and um, on any given day, taxpayers pay approximately $38 million a day to jail people that are awaiting trial. Okay. So not even, that's not including prisons or people serving their sentences. And um, when you, in the past year that you've been working, do you have um, other stories like the the woman that inspired you to start this cause, but other stories that um, have really affected you as far as um, the limits of cash bail and the limits of uh, justice as long as, you know, cash bail is is the currency of freedom, basically? Uh, yes. So we have seen um, a lot of, I mean, even traffic tickets. Um, so this actually, um, there was a warrant out and for a particular client we were working with, um, there was a warrant out for unpaid traffic tickets and there was a bond set um, 
And so we actually paid that before she was arrested. But having that warrant out for an unpaid parking ticket, she was denied from several housing opportunities Mm -hmm. due to having that warrant outstanding. And it was only $200 to get that paid, but she didn't have that kind of money. And if she was trying to move that, paying that, she couldn't pay a deposit or utilities. So even something so small can really affect people that way. And it's, I mean, even a couple hundred dollars can make or break it for some people. Lauren, uh, you mentioned that kind of the original purpose of the money bail system was to make sure that someone would show up for their court date. Are mm-hmm. there other mechanisms already in play in the court system um, that can kind of take the place of cash or money bail um, and help ensure people come back for their court dates? There have been um, bail reforms, um, uh, particularly in Missouri. Last summer they passed um they uh, started enacting actually a a free trial assessment, so a, kind of a bond assessment to see, you know, just to control and make sure bond is set at a, a price people could afford, but we still see people stuck in jail because they can't come up with however much money their bond is set at. So we've seen bail reforms, um, and that doesn't that hasn't really helped the bail system, but we have noticed kind of through our work that keeping in touch with the people that we provide bail assistance to uh, are getting to court, even if it's just a simple text that reminds them, hey, you have court tomorrow. Do you need help with transportation? So honestly, just having some um, some sort of support, which is one thing now we really want to provide and um, kind of ensure just so we can prove that money is not the only thing that would incentivize someone to return to court. Yeah, what I hear you saying is there's a lot of other barriers or reasons mm-hmm. why someone may not make it to their court date that is not because they are um, trying to evade their court date, but rather they right. um, it's not on their calendar, they didn't get information about mm-hmm. it, they don't have transportation to get to the courthouse to make it to their court date. Um, so there's a lot of other supports that can be provided yeah. Um, yeah. to help get people to their court dates. Yeah, and um, even just a lack of education around kind of what your rights are and, um, you know, what you need to, why you need to keep your address updated because yeah. a lot of people get warrants sent to say they moved and they didn't go to the DMV and change the address on their driver's license. It gets sent somewhere else. and they have that outstanding warrant and they have no idea. I think one thing that would be good for our listeners too, that's kind of um, something I hadn't thought about until recently is the difference, what it, what's different about say a bail bondsman and how that um, those practices can, um, I don't have a favorable opinion of them, but maybe you can, ex- you can clarify a little about what a bail bondsman does. Yeah, so that's another reason I think we really want to serve the community is so that people do not have to use a bail bondsman um, because yes, it is cheaper. So it's, you know, between 10 and 20% usually of the set bond. And this is, this is given if they um, are, give, are allowed to use a bail bondsman, not all bail set 
can be um, paid through a bail bondsman. Um, some have to be straight cash, but if they are able to use a bail bondsman, you pay that directly to the bail bondsman. Mm-hmm. Um, I haven't seen any bail bondsmen that follow up and you know incentivize people to go to court, but you de- you never get that money back. So what's unique about a bail fund is you know we pay this bail and once the case is closed we get the money back and it's a revolving fund. And whereas when you use a bail bondsman, you pay say $200 and you don't get that back. But say something happens, you didn't mark it on your calendar or the court date got moved, pushed back, um, pushed up and you didn't get that notification. Maybe you don't even have an address to receive that. Um, You're now on the hook for the rest of that money so mm-hmm. say it was a $1,000 bail and you paid the bail bondsman $200, you are now in debt to the bail bondsman for the $800 remaining dollars for bail. And they can send bounty hunters, bail bondsmen have bounty hunters to come and collect. So it's very interesting. Uh, bounty hunters have even more rights than the police so they can enter property um, without authorization from the property owner. Oh. Yeah, it's very interesting. It sounds like a system we don't want people interacting with. Exactly, yeah. And we really want to educate people on why why um, it can be very uh, predatory to use bail bondsmen. So it's, you know, just kind of like a, a payday loan almost. They're, yeah, they're everywhere, and that's what people know. So, um, and I a lot of people use that. I uh, I didn't realize until reading your website, kind of the idea of a revolving cash bail fund mm-hmm. is that the the money grows and is available in the future, and it's not um, it's not a finite resource at all. That it um, I find that so interesting and exciting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a it's a really great um, model, and it's started in larger cities in the United States and kind of what helped me um, and Chloe get this started was talking to um, the founding member of the Chicago Bond Fund. So she kind of paved the way for us, like gave us, you know, examples and they have a very well-run bail fund there. And, you know, we're part of the National Bail Fund Network. So we can communicate with each other and give each other resources. Some will help pay bail. If um, a bail fund doesn't have enough to cover someone's bail, they've they've been able to kind of do um, transfers like that. And yeah, it's, I mean, a lot of the money, most of the money comes out sometimes they, or comes back, excuse me, sometimes um, court costs come out of it, but Aside from that, if the case is closed and they'll send a check either to the person whose name in it it's in, mm-hmm. um, or you can pick it up with the person and they would have to sign it over to you. It it really depends on the court. Um, so in Kansas City Municipal Court, you can um, it gets returned to the person who posted it, but in Jackson County, it it goes into the person's name, so they have to 
they would have to accompany you to sign it over to the bail fund. Lauren, if our listeners have been inspired by what you're saying and they want to get involved and help out, uh, what can they do or who can they contact? Um, they can contact, there is a, um, on our website, there is a get in touch button. So they, that just goes straight to email and they can email us any questions. We, a lot of people get in touch with us via social media as well. Um, whether that be Facebook or Instagram. Um, we've noticed Instagram is where we've gotten a lot of questions and um, kind of information, but our website does have a, a get in touch button where they can email us questions or any ideas they have. We're open to anything and we want you know as much community involvement as possible. And just for anyone listening, that's KC Community Bail Fund, all one word, dot org. Yeah. Um, yeah. 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 And, um, you know, I know a lot of people feel sort of overwhelmed and want to help. And I always wonder for people who can't give money or time specifically, that is to say, like time to show up to protest, time mm-hmm. to be trained or, you know, show up at the jails. If someone wants to help in other ways, are there kind of... Um, state or things they can do to appeal to state and county representatives to end the cash bail system? Yeah, I would say um, just to educate oneself as much as possible about this. Um, It it is kind of like going down a rabbit hole. You learn new things and didn't realize, you know, certain practices were in place and how detrimental they are, but just um, educating oneself and I think the best people to contact would be um, prosecutors themselves and that it's an election year. So, you know, really looking at people's um, view on the cash bail system, the mm-hmm. prosecutor, I know that the seat for the prosecutor is up in Jackson County right now. And, um, and they, yeah, just researching kind of, maybe what what their practices have been and if you wanted to see them continue. But um, yeah, I think just really following kind of the trends and patterns and it is all public record too. So Mm -hmm. I know Johnson County has a very user-friendly system, the jococourts.org. Well, your uh, call to educate yourself leads Mm -hmm. in really well to our last question for you, because we are librarians. And so uh, we always love to leave people with a recommendation of something to read, watch, or listen to. So are there any books, articles, podcasts, or videos on the bail system or the criminal justice system in general that you would recommend to our listeners who are looking to learn more? Yeah, um, you can always look up the Khalif Browder story. he was incarcerated in Rikers in New York City for uh, allegedly stealing a backpack and was in jail for nearly two years, I believe. And eventually all charges were dropped um, and he was released after two years in Rikers, which is one of the most notably violent um, jails in the country. And there's you know, documentaries and um, videos on YouTube that can be watched about 
his story, just pretty heartbreaking. And um, as far as statistics and research goes, the Pretrial Justice Institute um, is one of my favorites. Have, they have very good uh, graphics and um, statistics. So I always recommend that. It, you guys, um, anyone online can go to pretrial.org and that's the Pretrial Justice Institute's website. They have a lot of reports and um, good graphics that can be used. We also on our website have, if you go to our blog, there is a video kind of illustrating what money bail is, why the cash bail system needs to be eliminated. It's a video made by um, an organization called The Color of Change. And um, it's narrated by John Legend, but it does a really good job of kind of illustrating that. Awesome. Um, yeah, we have uh, within our group, there's a couple of things. There's a Justice in America podcast specifically about cash bail. That was one of the first things I listened to, okay. um, along with our usual sort of recommended readings and stuff that I found very helpful um, and very illuminating. Yeah. Um, Lauren, I just want to say also how impressed I am by your organization. I know you guys not only provide uh, the cash bail relief, but you show up at the jails. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. Especially for the protest, um, trying to get them out. It's not always quick and easy to bail someone out, but yeah, we always physically show up. Uh, we do have, sometimes we can pay online, but there are extra costs, you know, to use a credit card online. So we, we do want to show up in person and accompany people to court and advocate for them in any way that we can. Uh, both Chloe and I are social workers, so um, we know a lot of the community resources that can be a big, big help um, for people as, after they're released. And so we want to connect them to those resources as well. So we do kind of want to be hands-on. It's the social worker in us that yeah. <laughs> wants to kind of case manage, you can yeah. say. I'm just, I'm amazed that you have time for it, you know, and I'm, I'm so grateful you had time to come here today on your own, on your own. I know you guys have been so busy and even busier since June. Um, yeah. And I really appreciate you making the time to talk to us. Kate, is there anything else you want to ask? Are we? Um... No, just sharing my gratitude as well for your time and your efforts. So thanks, Lauren, for being yeah, here. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for having us on. Um we've gotten a lot of traction since June and it was kind of like pulling teeth, getting people to kind of learn about the cash bail system for the year before, before that. So I, I appreciate um, you guys having us on to kind of educate. That's, that's one of our kind of goals is to have a lot of advocacy and education. Maybe once schools start, we could, um, kind of have some education there as well um, once it's safe. For sure. And I think these are things also that we're going, everyone should be thinking about, not just for the next mm -hmm. six months or eight months or a year, yeah. uh, but uh, even after the momentum runs out, that this is an ongoing problem until it's not anymore. Yeah. And I, I think um, just bail funds kind of becoming so um so much attention being shut and 
so much light being shed on these bail funds have gotten people to kind of research what money bail is and now they know what a huge problem it is and um, I think and I hope uh, people you know keep kind of advocating and keeping the interest. Well, thank you, Lauren, for your time today and for your dedication to the Casey Bale Fund. Yeah, um, thank you. Yeah, we thank you so much. We're so happy to talk to you. Yeah, thank you so much for having us. That does it for another edition of Did You Hear? I'm Dave Carson. Be safe, everyone. Listen, um, if you like the podcast, please share it with a friend. You can find us at jocolibrary.org slash didyouhear or simply search Did You Hear? or Joko Library on your favorite podcast streaming service. See you next week. Bye.